Hello, this is Chris O'Regan, and you're listening to The Sausage Factory. This is episode 386 of The Sausage Factory. Welcome. In this episode, I chat to Hendrik Hollenborg of Vest Games about their social deduction action-adventure game, Evil. Now, we've all seen social deduction games now. They're, they're everywhere. They've been on board game realm for decades, starting with Werewolf. But um, now we, we, we have... That they've made their way into video game land, which is great, because in video games you can do more things, you can make more interesting interactions, more engaging experiences with social deduction games, and this is exactly what's happened with Evil. It's a wonderful game, very inventive, really leans into or takes away the best parts of social deduction tabletop games and infuses it into into video games it's really well done i'm not going to go too much into detail right now about the construction of the game or its its layout if you will because we're going to delve into that into the show itself or during the show itself but this is a fascinating conversation about taking something that's very traditionally a tabletop experience and infusing it i'm using that word again but that's the best word i can think of that's, that's exactly what vest games have done they've taken the best parts i've already said it i said it again because it's that important and put it into a video game it's really really clever and well done which is why i had hendrik on to chat about the creation of evil so without further ado let's listen to me from the relatively recent past talk to hendrik about the creation of evil. Chris, take it away. Hendrik. Hi. Who are you and what do you do? 
Yeah, I'm I'm Henrik. I'm the head of Fest Games, um, and we're a small studio from Germany. And um, yeah, I'm wearing kind of many hats. I'm working on uh, basically the management and also the development of the game Evil. And um, yeah, so I've not really dabbled too much into art, but I'm handling most of the programming or a lot of the programming as well in the background. Nice. And, um, yeah. Nice. So you'd be, you'd be, you know, happy to hear that we won't be talking about functions or logic loops or anything like that, unless you want to, but, or flags. We're not, we're not going to do that either, but <laughs> it's good to know that we've got a, a, a you know, a programmer amongst us. So there's two of us here. Sorry, everyone. We try not to, but <laughs> so the next question I've got for you is this: How did you make your start making video games? Yeah, I come from a um, software development industry, basically. Um, I've been programming for a long time, but um, yeah, I've always wanted to work on video games, and I guess a lot of developers take the same way. Kind of, they've wanted to work a lot of a long time in video games, and um, yeah, made it their hobby, and that's what I did, kind of. And um, yeah, I tr had a couple trial projects before this, and then yeah, started working on Evil. And um, just to keep it very short for now, <laughs> uh, yeah, it it got some traction, and um, I went full time on it basically, and built up so a team. Do you remember the first game you kind of like created or had a go at? Because I love asking that question. That's why um, I, I think the it. first, yeah, the first serious project was called Thoros, and okay. it's uh, kind of a mixture. It was one of the first VR uh, uh, games I've worked on, basically, and um, it's a, a stealth game, and the concept was kind of based on on the Thief series, um, and that was was kind of a passion project. I've worked on it for like I don't know, maybe one and a half years, but it never got to release. It was more like um, a passion thing with a couple of friends and okay. um, yeah but it, yeah was very interesting and i loved i loved the idea of it oh yeah it's um we do feature a lot of vr games on this show uh, mm -hmm. one of our favorites for last year was uh the mask maker um which mm -hmm. um will be featured in a future episode but uh, or has been featured in a previous episode of the sausage factory but uh be talking about another podcast as well but uh yeah we and there's also the um warhammer one we did recently as well so um yeah it's it's a wonderful medium i have a lot of time for it. I just finished moss actually mm -hmm. lovely game lovely action adventure game it's uh it's very short but it's, it looks like they're doing a trilogy so uh fingers crossed for the second one which i know it's on its way so okay um this next question is a bit open-ended Hendrik, so apologies mm -hmm. for that, but I have to ask a bit of this of you, for you are a creator. You and your your friend and your colleagues are mm -hmm. creators of things. So I'd love to ask this question: What do you believe are your biggest influences? My biggest influence, probably, like I, that's a, <laughs> that's a tough question. It like is. in what regard? But. Um, uh you mean in regards to, of the choice of the game we're working on or like... no no it's just like you are you're it's like i said it's very open-ended but what yeah. i'm trying to understand is what is the thing that gets you up in the morning and you find that 
this, no matter what you do, you find orbiting these things or this thing. It could be a concept, an idea, a person, a, a, you know, anything. But it could be just something that you find yourself drawn to and that from which you then draw some kind of inspirational influence that, that gets that makes you start a project and bring it to a fruition, a creative project, that is. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so um, I guess um, it all comes from hobbies, I guess. we. I'm, I'm a oh. big uh, board game fan and um, love to play with friends. And so, of course, board games are kind of more social. That's kind of where the aspect, I guess, from evil as well comes from. And, um, Any particular genre? Because I'm a big tabletop board game fan too. I mean, I know I don't like pigeonholing the genre because there's bajillions of them now, which is yeah. great. <laughs> but um, there was for a while people saying, oh, there's Euros, then there's war games. And what, what do you think is the one you're always drawn to, do you find? The one I'm always drawn to, I guess I would say a genre is more cooperative board games. Right. So, yeah, what I'm playing a lot right now is uh, Gloomhaven. Oh, yes. Yeah. Good shout. So, well, I approve. <laughs> Good yeah, man. The corporate so, dungeon crawler kind of. And I know yeah. there are many others out there, but uh, yeah, that's always the genre I love the most, I guess. Excellent. So, the actual social interaction of people talking over a board, uh, a game yeah. or something. And my favorite phrase in Gloomhaven is you had one job. <laughs> <laughs> yeah but no no you had one job and you didn't do it we discussed this before we started why are you opening the door we said don't open the door but you did anyway yeah. turns out why did you go in first <laughs> yeah it turns out he had a secret mission to open be the first person to open the door <laughs> but yeah it's I, I, I can see that in evil I can see it I can relate to it. I can, you know, I play all sorts of board games. I played one over the weekend called New New Angeles, which is a cooperative but competitive. Crime? Yeah, is it the crime game? Yeah, it's a crime game. Yeah, you're yeah. basically your cooperation bosses, and you're trying to exploit as much as you can before mm -hmm. the government steps in and takes it all away from you. Um, and it's uh, it's not for everyone. It really isn't. Uh, then again, what game is? Right, what game is? Yeah, but it's very much a negotiation game. And the only random elements is the disasters that occur that you got to fend off. It's very mm -hmm. good. I like it. Again, not for everyone, but again, I can see that. So, what other aspects do you think you you draw from or lean into there? Um, yeah, probably the for the for the first part, the the social aspects, and um, uh, that's a big part. Um, another thing I love, of course, um, from board games or talking about board games or party games more, um, yes, the inspiration from werewolves, I guess. Werewolves is a big game in Germany. Um, it's maybe more popular as mafia in other countries or, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a social deduction game where you basically have this hidden identity and, um, Bad people try to kill other people, and the good people try to find the, yeah, the murderers basically, and uh, that's the main inspiration also for evil. Um, so the combination of social and yeah, deduction, I guess. And uh, with a heavy yeah. dollop of Gloomhaven, I like it. 
Because <laughs> yeah. there's no yeah, trait, yeah, there's no trait of mechanic in Gloomhaven. God, imagine that. Oh dear. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's hard. It's hard already without a trader. Yeah, it's hard enough as it is. So. I mean, one of the most famous trader mechanic games is, of course, Battlestar Galactica. Uh, it's a very old board game now, sadly out of print. But mm-hmm. um, many, many, many people have played that, have often screamed at people, for the last time, I am not a Cylon. <laughs> I haven't played it yet, but I, yeah. I have to, I guess. It's, it's, it's an extraordinary game, multi-layered, but it is, once you get your head around it, you go, oh, I see, this is a mind job. And um, it's very much... Um, the typical classic, the typical thing, response to someone saying, I'm not a Cylon, they say, well, that's the kind of thing a Cylon would say. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and indeed, I have a copy of Ultimate Werewolf. I've kickstarted it and I got it late last year. Very happy with it. It looks very pretty and it does a great job of all. And definitely you can see Werewolf in Evil. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Yep. But not too much, which is a fantastic thing because there are issues with Werewolf that will, I know you've fixed. It's fantastic. Good job. Please don't think I'm patronising because uh, that's a very old and established, but you've taken it and went, huh, but we could do this, though, because this is a video yeah. game. Really cool, really good stuff. So next question I have for you is this. What developer do you most admire in the industry and why? So it could be a person or a company. Oh, that's a very tough question. <laughs> <laughs> um... I, I guess uh, I can't really say because, um, yeah, I, I always draw like there are some some types of games where I have uh, very big respect for for like um, the old uh, stealth games, like I mentioned with, with Thief, one of our first projects, and I, I'm it's just crazy to me how they did this almost 25 years ago, um, and I guess that's kind of um, yeah, seeing what big steps they did gameplay-wise and what has never been done before, I think that's that's one of the biggest inspirations for me. That's, yeah, Looking Glass Studios, isn't it? I believe yeah. they did that. Um, we've got a lot to thank for them. They did a lot of amazing things back in the day. Yeah. Um, my only gripe about Thief is what was what was with the zombies. What, what, why? <laughs> I, I love it. I, I, I can't I really creep like... up on zombies. They're zombies. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but uh, I did love the, uh, you know, get, come here, you taffer. Like, what's a taffer? It's just a word, made up word. <laughs> I had to Google it. I was like, yeah. <laughs> I'm German and I'm like, oh, is this just a word? I don't know or something. <laughs> it is generally just, I don't recognize it. And I'm, I'm British. So we we're like, what's that so yeah it just it's a made-up world made up and it's there's some odd things about that universe that you don't quite what's going on here why is there steam and machines and but yeah all this, all this mystery yeah something's going on that it like, hints at like there's something worse than you could possibly yeah. imagine going on here uh but no i i definitely can see why you sort of like nod your head to them and say thank you for doing what you did uh, and we got a lot to, yeah. It's it's a shame that the new thief they tried to pull off it didn't it wasn't the same. Yeah, didn't quite pull it off. They lost the they didn't quite understand the spirit of it. It lost its way, um, which is the shame because I did like Thief Two as well. That was good, but um, mm-hmm. that was much more expansive. Sort of like they've got some money now and then they just carried on and expanded on what they already had. But um, yeah, good stuff. Anyone else before we move on to the last question? 
Um, well, the first half, I say. Yeah. Uh, hard to say, to be honest, really, because uh, there are so many games out there that do incredible things and people... Um, yeah, I've always been... Although I'm, I'm working on a multiplayer game, but I'm, I've always been a big fan of very atmospheric single-player games and I guess... Uh, yeah, that's... Yeah. Well, I mean, what's wonderful is we live in a time where they are now so pro prevalent. They're everywhere, which is great. Yeah. These extraordinary action adventure games. You know, the ones the third person you know, action adventure yeah. games, or indeed first person, but you know, we can see um well there's Forbidden West, so Horizon Forbidden West, that's people are enjoying that. Then yeah. there's a certain game that people are now tired of talking about by From Software, you know the one I'm talking about. <laughs> um, you know, that they they've done a lot of good to actually bring this genre to to you know become the mainstream like, kind of yeah the zenith because it's now rivaling these games are rivaling the likes of call of duty now and fifa yeah. which i never thought i'd see the day dda said oh no one will play single player games oh yes they do <laughs> <laughs> it's like saying oh, no one wants to read a book anymore read a fiction a piece of fiction yeah. like, no it's absurd of course of course they do so last question then of the first mm-hmm. half i hasten to add and it is this, and this is really important that I ask this question because it demonstrates to me, Hendrik, that you are not living in a bubble. Of course you're not. I can see that by all the games behind you in the, in, in your city, <laughs> which, listener, you can't see, but he's got a great game collector behind him. Meanwhile, I've got some weird CRTs, which he's been very gentle and said, hasn't asked why I have those. But anyway. <laughs> yeah, why do you? <laughs> yeah, I'll talk about that afterwards. But um, uh, uh, it's... Um, what are you playing right now? Um, well, I've played a bit of older games recently. I guess I've played... Um, I, I've tried to revisit some of the things I missed kind of in the in the last years, like mm-hmm. last 10 years or something, I guess. Okay. And so I've revisited uh, Darkest Dungeon. Um, I've actually revisited the old God of War games. So, Yeah. A lot of um, so the PS2 ones, so really kind of old games. But no, 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 I fully endorse yeah. this. The game. I was like, I, I, I want to see what, what uh, it's all about. Kind of even the older ones, and I mean, yeah. it's not old, old, but it's like. Oh no! Uh, I mean, you're not asking yeah. you to play Pong for heaven's sake. That's yeah. absurd. <laughs> exactly. But um, no, I, I can definitely see the value in that. Um, the old God of War games, yes, they they are of the time. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um, they are extremely violent and sometimes like destructive to the point where it's, it's a bit, it's a bit much of it. And then you go, "Well, it's it's Kratos." Oh right, yeah, it's the old Kratos, not the one from the, the current, one, yeah. the current who just war. kills people with no explanation. Yeah, instead of being a a, 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 a father who's uh, constantly, you know, uh, having a, a crisis, existential crisis, over and over <laughs> again. Uh, you know, he's just Kratos and just yelling at Ares a lot. All the time, saying so about, about something about being more forsaken or something, but um, no, that's that's really good stuff. No, I, yeah, we at Cane and Rinse don't recognise retro games. We call games that are older than average and classic. They're just classic games. Yeah. Yeah. A game is a game, whether it's twenty weeks old or twenty years old. It's still a game. So. Yeah, I think it's really worth to revisit some of the older games at at any time, and I've. Uh... 
done that often, kind of. Yeah, yeah, good stuff. Okay. Right, well, uh, let's move on then to the yeah. second half of the show, where we delve deep into evil. So, first question I have for you is, uh, regular listeners, well, no, isn't a question, really. It's a request. Because we can't go into detail about evil until we know what it is. Now, I'm going to ask you, in your own words, Hendrik, best of luck with this, what is evil? Yeah, evil evil is a social deduction game where uh, you play with a group of people uh, in a multiplayer game, and um, there are a minority amongst everyone who are up to no good. And um, so in evil, we uh, have the conspirators who are awake at night and they can roam around, around the village and kill the innocent villagers while you have to uh, have time during the day to prepare yourselves and gather clues who the conspirators could be, exchange ideas, talk to other people. And um, yeah, when you're sure of... Uh, an evildoer, you can vote them out, um, assuming you've convinced everyone else, and um, yeah, try to get rid of all the conspirators, while the conspirators try to kill all the villagers. Yeah, so the presentation is of a, um, so we say, high magic, um, sort of uh, high, high fantasy or sort of um, setting, um, mm -hmm. and it, uh, I likened it to like, oh look, it's Kind of like as if World of Warcraft had a social deduction, <laughs> yeah. um, you know. And that's the best way. Please don't think I'm sort of patronising you or thinking I'm just doing that's just to help the the listener visualise it because everyone's seen yeah. the and it feels does 
does feel like a typical village within World of Warcraft, and it's great. It's great because yeah, it's, it's good. It's also uh, definitely WoW was definitely an inspiration for the art as well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, like it's it's a mix of um, WoW and some other titles. And, yeah, uh, there's a little bit of Final Fantasy in there, a little bit. There's a little bit, all sorts of in there, but. Uh, are definitely the shading and the textures that definitely and that warm red, everything's yeah. got that warm tint of red everywhere. Um, yeah, we wanted to kind of have this cozy feel to it where you, you where you're like, oh, I want to revisit this village. This, this is nice. <laughs> I feel home here, although there are a lot of murder happen, a, a lot, lot you know, murderizing happening. Yeah. It's still quite nice, you know. So, this leads me on to the first question because. If you took a screenshot without what you described at the moment there, you'd, you'd assume that it is because you are taking control of a character and you look at it and go, oh, that looks like a regular action-adventure game. It really isn't. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but what I want to ask is how much in the design of Evil have you lent into the high fantasy action RPG? How have you found that that genre, that very found, well-founded genre, and how have you found merging that kind of experience into what is an extremely multiplayer-focused environment? How have you found mixing those two together? Yeah, the first idea was, uh, the first thing we saw kind of was with social reduction games that they were very, at that time when we started, that they were very uh, static kind of, uh, not that interactive and um, so we kind of the idea was that we take the next step and have an interactive environment have an open world and merge it kind of with the idea of an yeah third person rpg and um, yeah that's kind of what worked out because you have these roles that have abilities i'm sure we can <laughs> talk more about that later we but... will we delve into that trust yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll, yeah we'll be talking about those in a moment yeah cool yeah so but that, that's kind of what um yeah was so what what always played in my head kind of when i played these when i played werewolves with which is this party game which you just talk with other people with um was that you you're in this small town or a medieval village where you um yeah live in and you have to uh, survive kind of and that's kind of the idea of the setting, I guess, or the theme uh, of the characters and the look of it. But I think the trick here is that <clears throat> no one does anything. All you're doing is talking about who is a werewolf yeah. and who isn't. No one actually much, yeah. does anything. It's like this weirdest village where they're just obsessed about who is one thing and not the other. That's it. That's the whole you know yeah. mo that's the whole reason for being it's you know there's that conceit there's that lie underlying everything like well no that's and we're with evil that there's stuff going on there's people wanting quests done there's like you you can do things <clears throat> to help others and just to, you fleshed out the environment so therefore i like to think when i'm when i've played evil is that you actually start to care yeah. about the environment you're in you actually realize that this yeah, is you know you're you really take it. on the role basically you take on the role and what that role would do in their environment in their uh yeah what with the opportunities they have 
And uh, yeah, in Wear Wars, you pretty much you say I'm this guy, and yeah, doesn't mean anything. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. You have some options on what you can do, but um, yeah. we really wanted to. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm the blacksmith. Oh, what does that mean? Let me just read this out. It means apparently that on the second night. I can pass this card. To, but I just, it just, you know, is yeah. <laughs> like if I survive the second night, I can actually light a thing and then I can reveal what oh, I just don't any, you know, it's just a mechanic. It's just the name. Whereas of evil. No, no, no. If you've got a job, you do your job. Yeah. Which means and if you, you know, don't, you can still do other things. Yeah. Yes. Well, if you, well, I'm presuming you're, you know, need to do your job as, or you're actually a Cylon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I'm going to ask you the next question then. And as we've already discussed, players are involved with this big hijinks, basically. There's an understanding that there's two sides to this story. There's a vast majority of people out just to have, just to live their lives. And there's a small cohort that just want to just want to see the world burn for whatever reason. Yeah. And um, so you get killed. You get eliminated. You know, and yeah. most, you know, um, when you play these games, when you get annihilated and eliminated, that's it. You know, um, again, going back to Battlestar Galactica, you can get airlocked. You can have your character shunted out into space and you're dead. And that's it. You're yeah. dead. You're out of the game. No more interaction. However, in Evil, no. Life is but a next phase and into the afterlife. And you end up in purgatory. And, <laughs> and you are basically a ghost. You're floating around in a ghost and you can still influence the world of the living. You can still have a vested interest in how all this shakes down. It's especially painful if you've been killed, even though you are quite innocent of the crimes you, you didn't commit. Um... How, why? I know why, but tell us how that came yeah. about. How did you manage to pull this off? Actually, we started We started uh, adding this really early, um, but um, it wasn't really fleshed out. Um, but of course, the idea was that you're not locked out of the game after you die. And when you play these social deduction games or in, in person, kind of werewolves or mafia, when you die on the first night, and you play with like 10 people, that means you have to wait, I don't know, 20 minutes until you can play again. It's still fun to listen, maybe, but uh, yeah, you can't do much. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> yeah, so the idea was that um, that's one of the most important things for us, that you can keep playing, that you still have an influence, but you can't really have that much influence that you can break the game. So there are lots of things you can do. Um, when you die, you get kind of um, a bit of currency you collect during the day that you can buy items with it you can buy skills with it and you can influence the living people so for example um, you have this day and night cycle and the villagers are, are asleep at night and as a ghost you could buy uh, an item uh, to wake up the players or you can uh, buy an ability to uh, um, yeah destroy the traps the trapper set or yeah all kinds of stuff. And to get that money, you can uh, complete quests to uh, yeah, get more currency and buy all those things. And if you want to, you can also keep listening to the players like you can do all the, in all the other social deduction games. But yeah, we wanted to have like a layer on top when you die and yeah, not have the game be boring, I guess. 
I find myself laughing more when I'm dead than I'm actually alive because when you're alive, there's so much. You're so everything's so tense. You're just like, oh god, any second now, they're gonna find me out, or <laughs> um, I'm, you know, I'm dead because I've been killed by the, you know, the the, the murderers, and uh, that's a very tense experience. It's still fun, don't get me wrong, but it's a different emotion. Mm-hmm. But yeah. then when it happens, there's, fin- there's not a finality to it. Like, you don't disengage from the experience because that's what happens with social deduction. When you're found out, there's nothing you can do. You just disengage. And it's not fun. Uh, yeah. Whereas when you actually, or when you are killed, you just, oh, okay, well, we listen to you, Babylon, but none of, none of it matters <laughs> to me anymore. And I can't even say anything because if I did, I'd ruin, you know, I'd yeah. reveal who, all that stuff. Whereas in Evil, you said no, no, no. That's no, that's not. That's one. That's a that's a flaw. And this is one of the most innovative things you've done, because you've taken a very board game rich environment. You know, it's very established. Social deduction games have been around for many, many, many decades. Yeah. And you've taken that and go, well, what if I put this into a video game? Great. And what you've done is what I call the Zen pinballing of Zen pinball. So Zen pinball turns pinball tables into video game hybrids. They're still pinball tables, absolutely. But you don't often get spaceships flying in front of your face when you're playing the pinball table. And similarly with Evil, you've done the same thing. You've taken video games, you know, injected just enough, just enough of that medium and that environment. So what if you could stay around? interact with things without making a complete mess of the game because if you did try this in an analog environment i'd be hard pressed to see how that would work yeah it's uh i've actually thought about this but it's near impossible to yeah because <laughs> of course you have always this kind of meta communication in a, in a real environment where you yeah what do they do wear hats and i'm a ghost now I mean, it's just yeah <laughs> Not even talk about those, but more like even the real-time elements are like... Yeah, yeah. Do they go into another room or something? Is that how it works? Do they pass little messages between... No. No. It's absurd. So, no. Well done. Please don't think I'm patronising this there, but you've you've seen something. Ah, we can do something about this because this is a video game. Therefore, the rules of that do not apply. If you you wanted to do that, you'd just go, well, I don't know play it on tabletop simulator off you go it's there <laughs> what's the point you know good we've added to ghosts as well is um the aspect that you can talk amongst each other and um, because um of course you couldn't do that in an analog game but you can also listen to what the conspirators say and what they plan and act accordingly so it, yeah, it yeah. adds another layer on top basically it does tactics because that's the thing about social deduction games there's not a lot of strategy. <laughs> there can be someone who tries to employ one, but it normally falls over very quickly because of humans. So what yeah. typically is this they are deeply tactical. Deeply tactical. And you have to the only way to win is you have to read the room. That's all. Yeah. I mean, I, I played a game uh, and I basically played along as if I was an innocent person faction member i was one of the good guys i really wasn't <laughs> and the other bad guys are looking at me going what are, what are you doing you know across the table like what, what are you doing why why are you helping them well, i kept on looking at them. and by the end i've, I've led them into full sense of security 
and then I unleashed hell before it, and it was too late for them to do anything about it because they trusted me too much. That's a very dangerous game to play. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's not it's not recommended because it can end up in a bit of a pickle because you end up helping yeah. the other side too much. But it's it's a strategy. Uh, it's, a, people... it's a tactic, really, more yeah. of a strategy, but yes. But it relies on the gullibility of the other players. You know. And I've had yeah. people like yelling, going, He's fine, he's done all this stuff. I'm like, I'm really not. I'm <laughs> I'm a very bad human being. But okay, I'm I'm a good guy. Which leads me on to my third question. Hiding one's activities is critical to both sides in any team-based co-op game. How have you incorporated this into Evil successfully without making it too ridiculous? You mean like hiding what the players are doing uh, and what's visible to each other? Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, so we've, um, for the conspiracy, we have this day and night cycle in general in in the game where... During the day, everyone is awake. And uh, at night, everyone but the conspirators fall asleep. So um, that first of all sounds very, okay, I can't do much as a villager at night, which is true for some, but um, the conspirators basically can do all the actions at night um, and kill people, blow up tunnels, uh, steal from other players, all that kind of stuff. Um, and during the day, everyone is awake. and But you also have this big space of the town where you um, can uh, yeah, not often see each other because we have uh, a not so big village but we have a lot of visual obstacles and um, so you can often not see what other players are doing and because there can also uh, kills uh, that can happen during the day and um, yeah, so we have all these kinds of elements where you can do stuff without being seen. We have an underground where uh, conspirators can do some stuff. Uh, they have a black market separately. So there's a lot of uh, elements that keep players uh, distanced and hide their actions. And we have this gathering place where everyone can see each other. So kind of to complement it. Um, yeah, and during the night, as I said, while you're usually asleep, there are some options of you for you for villagers as well to kind of stay awake and do things. Yeah, so. the other is that you can set traps and triggers, and if you know, yeah. if you, if someone tries to get into your home, it triggers something off, and you get an alarm, and it all yeah, yeah all, exactly. Yeah. That's great. That's that's really a lovely defense mechanism. Like, oh, you think you can no, but you've got to remember <laughs> to do it. Because if you don't, yeah. you know, and it's ex- it's expensive, <laughs> very, very. Um, so we've been dancing around this for quite some time. And one of the key components of most social deduction games, no, all of them actually, all of them, is everyone has a role. Everyone has a character yep. to play. Some of us are like you know regular villagers. Others are special. They've got abilities, like ghost talkers and stuff like that. All sorts of stuff. And um, I just, you can take on many of these, and you obviously had a lot of fun designing them. Yes, I had. <laughs> but I have to ask this question when you're doing, because you have an underlying machine engine for yeah. Evil. Evil has its own system. So when you start throwing things into the mix to, under, to change that, that change those rules that you've already set, here's your base rules. And now I'm going to create all these things that 
change those rules to each individual person. How have you found making sure that those roles and those things they can do do not undermine or alter too much the core experience that is evil? Um, we have always um, bounced ideas around internally. And first of all, we talk about, could this break anything? Um, and oftentimes it does. <laughs> When we come up with an idea, what if the, I don't know, seer sees something or, you know, some some ideas just don't make it into the game. Mm -hmm. um, and that's kind of the, the sad part. But <laughs> yeah, I guess that's part of it. And uh, um, yeah, we, we first of all go through all the ideas and then uh, see what what's left over and what uh, can we do with it and add on top of it to make it interesting, um, but not limit it too much, I guess. So for example, uh, one thing that made it to the game and was really broken was the Ghost Whisperer, which is um, kind of the idea of the Ghost Whisperer is that they can interact with the dead players yeah, or yeah, yeah. kind of the ghosts. Mm -hmm. um, first, they could talk to the ghosts. And of course, that was really game-breaking because yeah. people could just say hey this guy killed me <laughs> he's like really oh, okay fine let's just found it it's end of game <laughs> yeah and it, of course it often happened that um conspirators when they died would lie to the ghost whisperer but mm. um it's a very game-breaking thing where it can suddenly shift the whole game around where yeah you of course can just vote out the conspirators kind of which and how did you and just for your listeners how did you fix that then We've kind of completely removed that aspect where the ghosts can communicate to the living pl uh, players. Mm. So um, first it was talking, but they could also um, brew potions, for example, and then uh, could kind of, yeah, protect the players with it um, or poison the bad guys. Um, so we soon removed first all the ghost element of things they could interact with and then started from, from scratch. Um, so now the ghost whisperer can kind of um, more technically work with dead bodies, I guess. <laughs> they can uh, find where players died. They can uh, take the items from the deceased players, and they can also inspect corpses to find out what role they had before their death. So these are kind of the core aspects kind of now for the ghost whisperer. Which is still very useful. Yes. It's a very strong role if played correctly, but uh, yeah, we've taken, yeah, we we've seen how things can break, kind of. I guess that's the nature of when human beings are interacting with each other; they do everything they can to break the game, to game the system, to they try to turn it into a strategy experience. That's yeah. what I found. A lot of people, when they're playing games, they try to incorporate their other game experiences and trying to infuse it into something else into something like this, a social interaction experience, and try to game it. Uh, yeah. And it's like, well, no. <laughs> if you try <laughs> that, you will end up very disappointed. You probably won't want to play this because that's not what this game is. This is about human emotions and human interaction and empathy and the tells and stuff. Even though you can't see them, you can hear them, you can see what they're doing, and it's quite often you come people running along and they're just following. What are you following me for? No reason. <laughs> Seriously, what? Because someone else has told you to follow them. 
Yeah. And it's like, what are you, I'm not. I'm just, oh, look at that. Look at that giant owl. Is there an owl? Like, what? There was there. It's gone now. It's just, it's just really quite funny. The whole, in, you know, when you get orders from someone who you trust in inverted commas. <laughs> <laughs> and he's probably like sent you off to do that so he can go off and kill someone without you. It's just brilliant. It's so good. And, uh, it does. It does sort out, you know, who your friends, here and friends and enemies are. And after it, like, I'm not going to trust you again. <laughs> yeah, because you always really see, good uh, at it, you know. You always trust trust the wrong people. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, they they put inflections in their voice. Some people are really good at it. Yeah, really good at it, and they can just put like they stress certain vowels, you know, and because they they they. Regardless of language, because it's just that's how you do it. It's, yeah. you try, I'm trying to gain their attention and their trust, and I will pause, and then you're just like, oh, I'm totally. And then <clears throat> eventually, they, they, you try to figure out if they you've convinced them, or they're just going, yeah, I'll go along with this. But you hear the <clears throat> the lilt in their voice, and you go, oh no, they haven't really bought yeah. this at all, have they? <laughs> no, I know, I know you're lying. I, yeah, the way you said it, the way you said it, the way you said it. <laughs> no, like, no, no, I didn't. And then your voice gets higher and higher pitched, and you realise you've lost. The... <laughs> <laughs> so, Evil. It's developed by Vest Games. Great name, by the way. Where's it come from? The name, uh, yeah, it's not. Related to clothing? No, no. <laughs> it's a yeah. It's it's a um, an area in in the yeah where our office is located. Um, nice. So. There you go. It beats like you know animal color. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's coming it's coming from uh, Roman times. Pretty nice, much. nice. Okay, and uh, it is published by Versus Evil, is it not? Yep. Excellent. And could you tell us what it's available on? What does it run on? What platforms is it out on? Evil um, it will first come to Windows, uh -huh. um, and we'll see about Linux. But um, I, we have a community of testers where people also played it on Linux already, although we don't officially support it yet. Um, and I can't say much about other platforms, but we are working on it. And it's available on Steam, is that right? Yeah, it's on Steam. Yes, that's right, yeah. So I always like to ask that question because you get a lot of listeners saying, is it on Mac, is it on PC, is it... Because when I say platforms, most guests say, oh, it's on Steam. I said, that's great, but <laughs> what's, it, what's yeah. it run on? So speaking personally, I, I have all of the things, but I have to ask for many people to make sure that it's all covered. But um, Hendrik, it's been fantastic having you on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me as well. Yeah, I'm, I hope you enjoyed yourself. I know I did. Um, and you're more than welcome to come back because we've had many return guests over the years mm -hmm. and to chat about whatever next you're currently working on because I know you are currently working on something or probably concepting something because that's how video game development works. You bring something to fruition and then in the meantime you go, yeah, we're making this golf game. <laughs> <laughs> and you'll probably come and see me about four years. But trust me, we'll be here. Yeah. All right. Thank you. It was great talking to you. You have been listening to the Sausage Factory podcast, part of the Cane and Rinse Collective. Support us for just two US dollars per month at patreon.com forward slash Cane and Rinse for early, extended and exclusive podcasts. Find us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Twitch, YouTube and at our website, caneandrinse.com. Mm -hmm.